Inside the Dome, the podcast where we talk about everything SaaS, AI, and e-learning. Dan, it's been a little while since we've jumped on the podcast, since we met up in Sweden for the first time. What's been happening since uh, since then? Man, it's been wild. Um, well, we've met a few weeks ago, right? So in, in person for the first time. Now I've gone back to Germany, went through a little tour of Austria, been building a crazy amount of stuff for Cyrescape looking at a bunch of new offers based on the market, what the feedback we're getting from SaaS founders and yeah, moved to Taiwan, which has been the biggest change for me and seeing me on a totally different time zone at this point. But yeah, what about you, man? How, what is, what's been going on for you? Well, obviously I was living in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, when we met up and then I think at about four days after I moved to, uh, Bucharest in Romania. So I can, I changing countries just like yourself. It's been pretty crazy building the team, building out the sales side of what we're doing here at Cyrescape. And it's been exciting and there's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts happening with the business. And we're really definitely in the zone when it comes to being a remote team. Uh, We spend a lot of our time on Zoom calls or we've moved the whole company over to Discord now. And I find myself hanging out in there, even playing some of the, the games and activities that Discord has to offer. I'm sure a few remote teams, whoever's listening to this and has a remote team has experienced that. You can play chess in the park. Is uh, That's what Hugo and I have been up to recently. So um, that's been good. But yeah, it's, um, it's again, it's, it's our normal, right? Our normal is talking to each other over Zoom calls and everything. I feel like a lot of people can speak to that as well. 100%. I think a lot of us are sort of living in this, you know, we're, we're jumping up, I don't know, two or three calls a day where we're for sure, you know, maybe that's like a light day for us. And then giving little updates on this and that, and then always having like little touch points. Um, I think that's definitely a key aspect of, of building at the rate in which we're building, because after living in Germany for a few years, I noticed through their bureaucracy and just sort of what naturally happens over time, right? With organizations too, once they get bigger, there are more steps, there's more bureaucracy, there's more layers in which you have to go through in order to meet, to have progress, right? And there are more checks and balances. And sometimes that really comes at, you know, the expense of a company. And so I think the good news is with having a smaller team, it's sort of doing what Toyota did um, in comparison to, you know, say Ford back in the day. Toyota was much better at having a much more complex vehicle, right? They were doing 10 times as much in terms of parts and different pieces that would go into an actual car, right? And then you look at Ford factories, which would have two or three times the number of people that are working there. And they would work in big batches and they would wait until one batch was done, wait until the next one and then push to the next stage. Whereas we're working much more on, you know, how do we work with one client, get everything done in stages, right? Push that through. And then we're able to have a lot more throughput because we're working quickly and we understand that each person has a good understanding of most of the other parts of the business. So I think that's kind of an interesting aspect also for SaaS founders that are, that are really focusing on building out their products, right? What they're focusing on is, you know, a lot of times, hey, I'm going to build this whole thing and then they want to push it to market and then see, get some initial feedback, right? But a lot of people forget that during the process of, of building their SaaS, right, that that they should be getting continuous market feedback so that when they get to market, they're not surprised like, oh, no one no one needs this product in the first place, right? So I think there's like two aspects to that is what one is continuous market feedback and the other thing is being nimble, 
having a team like us that is having constant check-ins and making sure that things are actually getting pushed through. And that has, that comes with a host of things that maybe you can speak about too, is that how are we, how are we organizing ourselves and how are we keeping focused on all these tasks? Is when I look at my to-do list, you know, it's 50 items long and sometimes you don't know where to start. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing, and this kind of goes into one of the topics we wanted to speak about today was like staying focused. Uh, I feel like it's very easy in the tech space to get, you know, shiny object syndrome to, to kind of chase the new best thing that's happening or the, the, you know, the new software or, you know, you can swap CRMs like five times because it's like one just looks better than the other. It could literally just be a different dashboard, but the same kind of, you know, depth behind the product that's getting pushed in front of you. And so I think the biggest thing being in a role that I'm in, you know, I'm at the forefront of speaking to prospects and kind of the, you know, the, the nice waitress outside the restaurant, right? I have to kind of get them to want to buy in and come inside so they can see all the good food that we put on the table and, you know, the cleanliness of, of everything inside of the restaurant, right? It's very similar in my role. I am the first kind of face that they see of, of the company and they speak to me in that, but I also have a lot on my shoulders now as well in terms of managing the team of people. And so mine and what I want to ask you after this is how are you managing uh, all moving parts, right? Because I have, you know, I'm at the front of the shop and, and I speak to all of our prospects that come through the door and I'm managing the team that are facilitating those things. But from your side, you have to manage me. You're jumping in on the sales calls and then you're also managing systems, operations, marketing, you know, the people inside of the company, finance, hiring, firing. Like, what is that like in terms of, even from a remote point of view, like how are you, I guess, as a founder and, and CEO managing the whole business? Because it takes up a lot of my time just in the one you know, uh, the one segment of the business, whereas you're kind of managing all six of, of, of the, the hats in the business. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first off, I think you're doing a great job of it so far and really bringing through this company culture and like bringing our team together, right? Like just in the last few weeks, we've brought on, you know, 10, 15 people that are all doing a great job within the setting space for us, getting us all these meetings on autopilot, right? As long with the other systems. But yeah, for me, to keep track of these things, it's very important to have the software stack built out. And I think we have, of course, great systems people working with us, right? The, the thing is, is you can have a great system, but the best system is the one that you actually use. So I'm not going to go out there and say, hey, use this Notion template, use you know this thing. I've got a piece of paper here with a bunch of tasks on it because today I just didn't use my computer for writing down my my tasks. I was taking too many notes. You know, I would say like the other thing is just having your notebook here full of notes literally every day because that's how I'm internalizing it in my head, right? So it's a mix of keeping it on paper, but also we have a really good project management timeline that does show us the dates when projects are getting done, making sure that that's 100% built out, right? So when we start working with a new project, immediately you just press a button and then all of that gets loaded up, right? The Google Drive folders get generated. Everything that we need is already there reminders get sent to us, right? So that we don't let things fall through the cracks. So on the one hand, from a fulfillment perspective, we have it pretty dialed in at this point. From mm -hmm. a people perspective, this is something that is an ongoing, an ongoing, not a challenge, but it is something that we, we're keeping our, keeping our eyes on, right? Because you can't just sort of set it and forget it. As much as we would want to say, hey, look, we have a great team and they're all going to do the right thing always, you know, it's not going to happen, right? People make mistakes. Yeah. 
we don't, you know, I realize I, it's a constant thing for me internally. How do I improve the way that I communicate to the team what we need to do as a group, right? How do I best communicate what is the standard so that people can understand that? Sometimes I put too much pressure, sometimes not enough, right? There's always things there, but in terms of systems and things, there's a lot to do with a really full Google calendar. And the other sort of thing is what I've been doing in the last couple of weeks that's, that's made a change for me is blocking out a good three hour period in my morning when I'm fresh, right when I wake up so that I know that, you know, no Instagram, no, no social media, no nothing, right? No discord. Cause I'm on discord with you all the time. Right. But I turn off discord, I do everything and I do the number one and most important thing that I need to do for that day. Like the thing that is actually pushing the business forward is what we focus on. And so I think this is where every day when we're posting together, right. And we all post as a company and get everyone saying, Hey, look, this is the most important thing that we're going to be dealing with. And every person says that one important thing. And then a bunch of the other things that are important, but not the thing, you know, we have to be making progress on the number one thing. So for me, it's always identifying what is that number one thing that is actually going to make the difference? Because, you know, we could just start the day and respond to all the client messages and make sure that everyone has a good answer on everything. But right, it's actually irresponsible to act like that. Because if we just respond to every question, like, oh, where's the link to this thing? Or where is this, this, and this? We're not focusing our time on building the systems and building the things and getting the insights that actually are getting our clients the results that they're getting, right? So making yeah. sure that we're focused on this long-term view of we are building something that's going to be around in 10 years, 20 years from now, focusing on getting the insights, the systems, building that up, not just on 100%. I'm going to respond to every message within five minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah, very true. And can you touch on what those three hours look like? You know, there's something very special and it's kind of really taking us to that next level in the business. Do you, do you have anything, I guess, for anyone listening to, to kind of get a bit of a, in, you know, inside the dome look? Inside, inside the dome? Sure. Yeah. When I, when I'm doing my three hours, it's usually just in my comfy space, in my like, if you've ever read the the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, it kind of goes into how do you create the ideal space for this, and it depends on the person. You know, it's it's you in your your comfortable place where you don't have distractions. Oftentimes, I'll put my phone in another room. Sometimes, when I sleep as well, I don't like to keep the phone there. Um, I'll turn off all notifications. Sometimes, if I'm not using the internet, I'll turn that off. Right? Maybe I'll play ambient or drone music in the background that's really really quiet so it doesn't distract you at all it's just really kind of a tone maybe it's putting on air no, uh, noise canceling headphones right and then when i'm in the work session itself it's really about either consuming something whether it's whether i need to read an article or whether i need to look at this newest insight or see what else is working or look through a bunch of data and come up with a conclusion from that or whether i'm asking chat gpt questions right a lot of what I found is that ChatGPT isn't giving me the answers. It's just helping me to ask better questions. So I'll be sitting there and asking, you know, what am I not thinking about when, I, when I've created a system? What are the things that could go wrong that I have not accounted for? And, and, and then I have to think about how do, we, how do we create that as a company? So for example, today I spent three hours with my chart, my Lucid chart building out. You've seen this, there's a lot of different boxes. I'm connecting them. I'm saying, how are the processes, the phases of our program? Because I really think that for, for our clients and, and having had many conversations with colleagues in the marketing space, the offer is so important in making sure that we are not just 
we're not just doing Facebook ads or we're not just doing UGC or just doing Jignog ads or something like this where it could be replaced by someone on a service, you know, like Fiverr, right? We're not competing with that, that, that group of people. When we'll, this is something that SaaS founders can take away too, right? If your product does 100% the same thing that everyone else is doing, and maybe it's just, maybe it's just taking chat GPT, repackaging it and saying it's a, you know, um, it generates you good ideas or it's a chat bot for your website, right? You know, how many other versions of that app have you seen out there? There are hundreds, right? And mm-hmm. the way that you differentiate yourself in that case, you're, you're going to have a race to the bottom for price, right? Because everyone is just going to say, Hey, I offer this for $19. Okay. This guy's doing it for 15. And then the next person's going to be offering it for free. Right. And that's how these videos yeah. balls literally go broke. So I was analyzing the same thing for us. And I'm thinking, how do we build an offer that's so incredible that guarantees the result, right? And it's by building out so many different aspects, right? Not only do we do the content for you, not only do we place people on your team or create the video assets that normally take companies many months to create, right? Building it out so we have so many people, so many moving parts in a way that guarantees you to get appointments and signups for your SaaS and also to make sure that you're that you're getting the, the market feedback, right? We went a step further and said, all right, this is typical of a market marketing company, but how can we go even further? We'll implement the data collection systems that help you to understand better where are losers are users actually dropping off your product, right? When are they stopping to use your products? Maybe there's too many features. How do we how do we optimize the onboarding process and the actual product and UI and UX itself, right? So I'm thinking, how are we bringing all these things together and offering this in a way? And I think this same thought process can be applied for founders that have e-learning courses, right? Offering more than just your course, offering not just mentorships, but also softwares that helps people. Also giving books, also having meetups, giving things that are more than just a simple, simple process, right? Because the easiest stuff is what everyone else is doing, right? Same thing with outreach. So I'm curious for you, do you have this time as well? I mean, I know you're, you're building out the team, you're building out the trainings. Oftentimes you'll surprise me and come to me the next day. And I'm like, where did you come up with these ideas? Because you came up with like six different really cool things. And, uh, it's, how do you maintain that focus when you have so many cool ideas coming as well? Yeah. Well, first I don't, (laughs) um, no, it's something that I've like, I think since I've moved into the position of sales and focusing on that, that I don't feel like my ideas deviate too far from the path of like what my overarching, I guess, passion and goals are like my goal and my objective. And I say this with everything, my one goal is to close deals. Like that's it. And so I'll do whatever I can to make that happen. And so yes. I'm having ideas around certain things, but that's also, I like to think out loud and I like to share out loud. It's just the one difference I think I have now is that I actually listen to the feedback. I don't just jump in or they jump onto the ship straight away because I've jumped on before and the ship sank multiple times. Well, oh, that was a great idea. And that's out, you know, out of the ballpark now. And so we're not focusing on that. And so again, it comes back to making sure I'm staying focused. But I think one of the biggest things for myself is I'm always on calls. And the reason I have all of these great ideas is because I speak to people who have got similar ideas or their product is an idea that I figure out, okay, I could sell that. And so I think the biggest thing for me is to make sure that I'm not losing focus based on my ability to sell. And that's what I've started to realize is 
I really, really am enjoying selling. And when someone puts a product in front of me, it doesn't take me long to figure out a great way to sell that product, sell the vision. And, you know, as long as the delivery is fine, I'm happy with it. And so I ask these guys on these calls, I'll, I'll go and, you know, pitch them their own product. And they're like, can you say that again? And they're right, taking notes and they're writing it down because it's like, no one's pitched their product to them in that way before. And no one's explained in the use case in the way that I do it. And so my ideas come from that. But I think one of the biggest ideas that I've had recently is focusing a lot more in on the AI space, right? Like we've spoken a few times about how we kind of want to tackle that whole new wave in industry, right? Meaning we want to keep the depth of our business, but we're also not a dinosaur marketing company. Like we're not stuck in our ways. We, we move very, very fast in terms of what we do. And we're also good at making sure that we're moving fast on the same railroad track that's going to the same destination. So, you know, as much as there's all of these different, hey, you can turn right here and you can turn left here. We're very quick to make sure that we don't turn right along the wrong track or we don't turn left and go the opposite way. We're still, you know, going very fast towards our goal and our vision to deploy the right products which allows us to keep the focus inside of our clients, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't have a business unless we service the clients. And so from a top level, we're always checking in on our focus. We're always making sure that we are going along the right path. We notice that across the team, right? Like when I speak to the sales team, you know, we've tried pushing different offers or we've tried, you know, having people pitch different things, but it always comes back to what was always working, right? The same system speaking with the same, not the same clients, different clients, but all around the same industry, right? Focused in on SaaS, AI, and e-learning. Because at the end of the day, if you break it down to like, what do we really do? Like we're experts in that space. That's what we focus on. That's what we do. And so it's making sure that we can keep it all and bottle it all up in, in the one way. And so, you know, the ideas are fun. And uh, I, I wanted to mention this. I wasn't too sure if this was, again, going off the beaten track, but um, I came across a music artist called uh, Aaron Heibel. Have you heard of him before? No, I haven't. No, he's uh, he's like blowing up at the moment and he's about to drop a, a new track called Oppenheimer, which is Oppenheimer as like a house trance uh, clip. But he has this like really awesome set he did outside of a church in Iceland, like Reynark Iceland or something. It's like an hour and 12 minute long set. And just his music, I put that on and it settles me. Like it gets me into like a, I can breathe and I can focus now space. So I've been, I've been, I've listened to it on repeat almost all week. So I feel like a lot of my, my deep work and the reason I get stuff done is because I've got that. I, I, I attribute a lot of that style of music, not house trance, but um, music composing, like Khan Zimmer is my favorite artist of all time. So when I need to focus up and get stuff done, it's piano music, it's, you know, chopping and Hans Zimmer vibes. And that's kind of what plays in my headphones to keep me focused. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think the focus, like the music, the environment, like you're saying, and also I think the wisdom to, and this kind of goes for anyone, right? Like the wisdom when something's going well, don't go to something else, like triple down on that thing that's working, right? And I think we've struggled with this and I'll, and I'll be totally open with, it. you know, the team, when we do get these ideas, we get so excited because we're like, yeah, there is this new thing going on. There is this new insight and new insights are amazing. But when you look at what is actually working, what is actually 
for your company? You know, are you getting new users for your platform? What was the messaging around that that got you new users? If you change that up and you, you A-B test that, right? And then give it some time and put some eyeballs on your page, right? Look at what's actually getting you new users and follow that. It sounds so obvious, but I mean, most people, it's funny, they try something, they might try it for a week or two weeks and not really give it the time it needs, give it the time and energy. And then they switch, right? And that's why you have so many people that are fly-by-night opportunists, right? It's it's different for us, right? We're making these podcasts about SaaS and emailing because we've been in this space for years at this point, and we know this is something that we've spent a lot of time not only personally using, but also growing these companies, right? And that's kind of the interesting, the sort of the difference there. It's can't, most people right now, um, there's, there's an interesting book called Dedication as well that I read earlier this year where it's a guy, I think, somewhere... Some, somewhere in his 20s in, in the States, and he talks and interviews a lot of people that have spent their lives dedicated to one thing, or maybe it's people dedicated in relationships, or whether it's someone who has gotten really good and dedicated to their community, right? Like a, there was a story of someone, I believe it was, a, it was a mother who looked over at her house, across the street from her house in New York, and it was just this empty lot, and there were a bunch of um, bushes growing there, and then she thought, you know, weeds and trash, and then some point she said, Hey, like, let's just make this into a community garden, went over and sort of started picking up the trash herself. No one told her to do this. And eventually it became this community space and it was very vibrant. And she became sort of the center of the community, even growing things, giving it away to the people in the neighborhood. And, um, it became an amazing place, but this happens over 20 years, right? 15, 20, 30 years where people are actually building these communities, bringing people together. So I know it's early for us, but I think this commitment to doing something long-term is what makes the difference, right? And a lot of the people in the tech space, a lot of people in the SaaS space, their timeline is very, very different from that, right? We speak to people, they say, look, we've had our company for six months, we wanna have an exit in the next nine to 12 months, right? They're saying, we want VC capital, we wanna be out, right? A lot of these guys are like, I wanna be on my private island that I bought drinking you know, coconut juice on the beach or coconut milk on the beach, right? And yeah. That's where we want to take them. And like the way to do that is from a system that has worked and that does guarantee people appointments, right? That does guarantee new signups for your, for your SaaS. And for most of these founders, that's not what they're, that's not what they're good at, right? Like it's painful to sit there day in and day out and think, Hey, I know we just created this new beta and I know we have all this cool product stuff that, that's coming out and we've got a great dev team and we're working on this and we're doing sprints and we're doing different char Gantt charts and we're doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, they're not getting the signups they want, right? That can be the most yeah. infuriating thing. Like imagine that, Ryan, or from the video space, you put out a video on your YouTube and you've spent, as you know, previously for people that don't know Ryan, he was doing a lot of amazing editing work and for a lot of big companies out there, and especially in the media space, imagine putting that out there and falling on zero viewers, right? No one's actually checking that out. It's happened, you know, uh, spent quite a lot of my degree, went to good old Bond University in Australia. If any international people are listening, they'll know the pricing of that university because it's, it's the International University of Australia. And when you pay that much for a degree and you spend so much on cameras and you spend so much time editing a video and you release it and the video you shot on your iphone that took you 12 seconds to make off of the first clip that you do and you post gets more views it is really disheartening and it's also goes to show you don't really need a degree in that industry in order to perform it's happened time and time again my most viewed videos are from an iphone and from literally that one 
idea where it's like, I'm just going to do this and hope for the best. And it's kind of, you know, whether or not you attribute, you know, four or five years of success before a video like that pops off or does it like, how does that work? But it's really funny when it comes to that. I think one of the things that we can kind of finish up on, it kind of ties into this whole shiny object syndrome and, and new ideas and everything is how are we combating as a marketing agency, as someone that, you know, provides a great service and has the experience there, how are we either riding or fighting the wave of AI automation agencies? Good question. Good question. And I would just go ahead and say, I've been, I've been told this about our services before, um, from, from people we've worked with, they said, look, Dan, you know, agencies, a d dirty word in the space because a lot of people get burnt. A lot of people know agencies like this model and that's what we're not anymore, right? We have kind of stepped away from the agency space in and of itself as being just marketing. And this is how we've taken the first step And this, this week, and we'll, we'll do a full length, um, release video of this in about a week or so from now where we'll go through everything that we are, but you know, it's building out the product as well. So I think going forward, talking about these, these agencies that are doing automations and stuff. I saw an ad today where it was, the ad had such a great hook. It was something like my boss doesn't know that I, that I have automated 50% of my work with, with AI automation tools. And it was someone going through their day, like they write all my emails, they respond to all the questions with the chat bot that we made, you know, we went off to do this and that. And I thought it was so funny. Um, but what I would, what I think is we're actually bringing this this element of AI automation into, into our business there. Um, yeah, but to just wrap up on that note, I think you asked, how is AI, how is AI, AI how, how, how are we combating the, the rise of AI automation agencies and what does that look like for people that are, you know, going, oh, like, is that the agency I should be going with? Right. Sure. So I think in terms of that AI automation agencies are popping up by the dozen, right? And we see 14 year olds out here making crazy money just because they're out here taking a chat GPT for plugin, right? Using some sort of an API and then throw it, repackaging it essentially. And then giving you, you know, a chat bot or giving you a cold email sequence or giving you, you know, X, Y, and Z or ideas for products, right? I see this stuff. I see templates on notion all the time, right? Now I think the issue with that is Sure, like that's good short-term value, but really what is the value of that to your company long-term, right? What's the longevity of that thing? Are you telling me, Ryan, that you would pay hundreds of dollars every single month for an app that does something that, you know, you could probably just get to do with ChatGPT and maybe one or two people on the team, right? And they put maybe an hour or two of their time into? Probably not, right? Probably that's something we could do internally and it's very replaceable, right? A lot of what they do is based on kind of, you know, tourism, you know, when you go to eat in a restaurant on, on, when you're, when you're out on vacation, it's extremely expensive. And the food is probably, you know, one, one tenth of the price of whatever you've paid. Right. Same sort of thing. You're not going to go back to that restaurant. So I think a lot of these agencies pop up with that sort of marketing model in mind. It's just, you're going to go there, get one experience. All right. Be a bit underwhelmed, never go back again. So I think in our case, what we're doing is we're collecting the best AI tools that we've seen that offer longevity and have a compounding effect. For example, one of the things that we're offering right now is SEO, right? Now you could just say, yeah, Dan, sure. I could get my own SEO, SEO done, you know, for us with 
with some AI, right? But what you can't do and what the painful part is, is actually implementing this and, and putting it directly into your search engine results so that it's, you don't have to worry about all the meta tagging so that all this stuff is done for you. And that's something that I actually find very useful, right? And there's a bunch of really good data out there. I was reading some studies as we're creating market marketing campaigns for some of our clients. If you're posting fifty blog posts a day, you're going to increase your organic search reach by 30, 40%, right? Because who is actually posting 40 blog posts a day, right? Not a lot of people until now, right? That's very true. So my, my whole view on this is how do we find compounding models within AI that actually bring value? And look, there's a whole lot of room for, for innovation here. So I'm not saying we have the end all approach to this, but we are certainly on the lookout. And so if you're hearing this right now and saying, Hey, look, I have a SaaS startup that, that is in the AI space. And I think it could be really useful for X, Y, and Z reasons, right? Drop us a comment, drop us a, drop us a message, you know, either on Ryan's Instagram, my Instagram, um, or, you know, wherever else you want to reach us on our website. And we'll be glad to jump on a call with you and talk this over, because this is something that we're looking at is we have multiple AI companies working with us right now that are leveraging, um, especially with our clients and having a bunch of really cool results there, especially in organic side of things, outreach, as well as getting you new signups for your SaaS product. So. I'll also give it off to you, Ryan. What do you think is is the way to combat a lot of these sort of copycat, um, you know, no code SaaS uh, products that are coming out of there? Because I see that every YouTube video right now in my recommendations is make a no code SaaS in five days or less, right? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the people are only just getting into the space. I mean, that's one thing, right? Ask for experience, ask for client testimonials, ask for, you know, proven track record we're on it from the side where we've been in the industry for you know combined experience is probably very close to 15 20 years between us both just in this space from working inside of agencies to you know running this company and everything that we're doing like we're aware of it right and we understand how those agencies work we understand the products that they're using why because we have to be at the forefront of this industry like we have to you know almost be pioneering a lot of it. And that's kind of why we've started this podcast is to give people a look into the conversations that you and i have obviously this is like a recap right so if you're thinking that oh wow that's a groundbreaking idea you're not seeing that the the time between between us speaking on a podcast to now right like the the level of conversation that we have is is very, very in-depth in terms of how we are going to, first of all, make sure our clients succeed with all of our strategies and processes and systems that we've built out. And then also looking at making sure that we're staying ahead of the curve. Like we can't, we're not going to let a 14-year-old kid with an AI automation agency um, burn or churn a client, right? So we're kind of looking out for our future prospects, right? We're looking out for the guys that, you know, I don't want to jump on a call and hear I spent $15,000 with this freaking kid who, you know, burnt me because he didn't, wasn't focused on the right things. And so as much as it is a new way of going about things, and we're heavily investing in this from our side, using this to, you know, make sure our business is growing in the ways that we want it to grow, as well as assisting in the client delivery, you know, do your due diligence first before investing in product. You should do that with everything, right? Like it's like buying a house, like, you know, make sure that the house is on the right foundations first. Um, and I think that, you know, it's been a super solid conversation around everything that we've gone over today. One thing I want to ask you is, can you give a description without giving a name for 
for our very special guest we have coming next week on the podcast. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're having a guest entrepreneur who is in his mid-20s, has amassed a fortune within two short years, right? Going from working a 30K uh, per year job in North America, I won't say where, um, or else I might give it away, right? To sitting down and getting in his basement and going back to, you know, live with his family, giving away this comfort, right? And building an empire that has been helping multiple, multiple hundreds of clients grow within the marketing space and building out infrastructures and really changing the way that people approach creating offers, creating deals, creating products, you know, helping anyone from marketing agency owners all the way out to, you know, people that are putting courses online for Airbnbs in Europe, right? So anything like this, right? So he's a really interesting guy doing, I think, over 600 to, I think, 900K, some, somewhere in there, don't quote me in there, per month in revenue, um, I think at the ripe age of 25, right? So pretty interesting person that's going to break down what he sees in the SaaS industry and also just kind of break down his story um, and what we can all learn from that, whether you're building a software company to building your own business or just someone who's interested in getting into entrepreneurship in general. I think it's going to be an amazing conversation. 100%. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you, Deb. And for staying up, it's what, 2.30 in the morning for you now? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for staying up and having a chat. We weren't too sure if we were going to put this episode together, but we stuck through. So thank you to anyone that stuck through and listened to us speak again. Uh, this has been Inside the Dome, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Let's get it, baby. Catch you on the next one. See you at Too easy. Two, Peace. Three. Ciao. Oh, 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 oh,